I V M. Folks, welcome to Paisa Paisa. I'm your host Anupam Gupta, B50 on Twitter, and on today's episode, I'm thrilled, really thrilled to welcome back PGIM, PGIM Mutual Fund on our show. My guest Ajit Van, CEO, PGIM Mutual Fund. We are talking about retirement readiness and much more right after this short break. Subscribe to Paisa Paisa with Anupam Gupta on YouTube for knowing more about a wide variety of financial products from mutual funds to credit cards to loans and much more. Boost your financial knowledge and growth today. And welcome back, Ajit. Welcome to Paisa Paisa. Thank you so much for doing this for us. Thank you, Anupam. It's a great pleasure to be back on your show. I hope we'll have a good time discussing this very important subject. Oh yeah. Tell us about PGM USA and PGM India. Yeah. So sure, PGM is uh, while the brand name is PGM, it's like an acronym which is Prudential Global Investment Managers, and this is part of uh, Prudential of the US. So PGM India Asset Management Private Limited is a hundred percent subsidiary of PGM, which is part of Prudential Financial. of the US as an asset manager globally they manage about 1.2 trillion dollars in assets it's about the 11th largest asset manager in the world just in terms of relative uh, reference the entire indian mutual fund industry is about 600 billion wow. so this is one company that manages wow. 1.2 trillion makes us a very large brand here but not too many people know us and uh, it's a multi manager model they've got multiple businesses from equity fixed income real estate private equity and the like in fact uh, a re- very recent Report placed PGM as the world's third largest real estate manager, as well. So we are in most asset classes. In India, we um, sort of manage approximately about twenty six thousand crores of assets now, predominantly equity. And we've got not just mutual funds; we also have PMS and AIF, and we also have an international desk where we manage money for international money that is looking to be managed within India. Nice. So let's get into the survey, okay? I sure. remember that uh, when we had spoken three years ago in November twenty twenty, it was also the retirement readiness survey, which is now I believe this is the second edition. That is right. So let's just go into some backdrop about you know a what is the report? Why did you decide to do it? And then we'll get into the actual content. Sure, I think the reason for doing it, Anupam, you'll agree that this is one topic which is important for all. And in a country like India, where formal social security is not as much as one would want it to, unlike the Western world, we felt that as a manager, if we could focus, uh, while we'll go wide on various financial goals, if we could go deep into one, that might probably help you know our our audiences and our advisors as well. So we've created a sort of an ecosystem. stem around retirement we have a certification course for advisors uh, we have the retirement survey we are very soon going to come up with a retirement index and things like that the study itself was something commissioned along with nielsen iq uh, way back in 1920 and we published it as you mentioned in november 20 Uh, 2020, and um, you know that gave us some fantastic insights about how people were thinking about retirement. And then we said, let's follow it up. We wanted to do it every two years. It was just coincidental that there was a whole big pandemic right in the middle of that. So we could, in the current survey which we published on November 6th, got a chance to look at how things have changed pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. And there are some very beautiful insights yeah. we're getting from that. Yeah, yeah. So let's start um, with just a broad head. line numbers okay then sure. we look at the aspects within and i think there's good news in yeah. terms of people being retirement ready good news when i compare it to 2020 yes. this is a three year journey has at at least as a headline level been good so 
let's just start with the headline numbers out there. Yeah, so, uh, you know, in 2020, when we did the first survey, we had about 49% of those we surveyed saying that we feel retirement ready. And the 2023 survey puts that number now at 67%. So it's a good jump. Yeah. It's great to see that the awareness has come up. And clearly, the pandemic has had an impact on people's awareness of being ready for unexpected things going into the future. And I think that's the key, really, that most people, when they plan money, they sort of think of expected events, their children's education and their expenses and, you know, big purchases and all of that. But they don't give as much importance to either unexpected events, which could be things like the pandemic or an yeah. economic slowdown, or external events where things like inflation or, you know, a global uh, issue happening that impacts economies, you know, we don't give that too much of an importance. And I think that this pandemic sort of brought all of that in the front. People talked about inflation, people talked about economic slowdown, and the need for financial stability into the long term. So it was good to see that awareness build up. Those were the headline numbers. Yeah, this survey is available for everyone to yes, read. Yes, absolutely. Right? So you should read it, actually, because there's a lot of interesting stuff out there. This one stuck out to me, Ajit, there's some significant changes that the lockdown induced on all of us. That's okay? right. Health, of course, was one very obvious sure. one. But on the financial side, I noticed that in your survey, there's something called that there's an awareness of lack of alternate source of income. That's right. Okay. Sounds very important. Obviously, I guess some people might have lost their job. Some So this idea of having an alternate source of income. Right. I guess people in our generations probably didn't think of that. Right. Our thing was just going to work and coming back. Yeah. Tell us about this. Yeah? What What's this major change that has happened because of the lockdown? Well, you know, just to take one step back, when we think about financial anxiety in, in general, and when we think about people who tend to be a little better prepared, what we found is that people who have some sort of secondary source of income or an alternate source of income felt better prepared for the future felt less anxious. And I think we were looking for that in this survey as well. We were interested and we found out that about 36% of the people we surveyed said, yeah, I have some secondary source of income. Mm -hmm. What was even more encouraging was about 39% of the people said, I don't have one, but I'm preparing to get an alternate source of income. Now, traditionally, one would think that if you had investments kept aside, you could get some income from your investments. And surely, people who are prepared for retirement in our survey, 42% of them had, you know, income coming from their financial investments. Nice. But it could be rental. It could be a secondary skill. And I think the major point and takeaway for people is that when you think about the challenges of a long term, which are very fuzzy. You don't know how long you're going to live. You're yeah. probably going to live long. You don't know what other variables will impact you into the future. If you wanted to be better prepared, more resilient for these changes, it's important to think about secondary sources of income, which are not just investments, but probably can come from skills that you have, which you can monetize as well. I think the younger generation will probably get yeah, yeah. in tune with that. We, we were talking about this before the show. Yeah. Tell us more about that. I want to know more because I think that, you know, I don't normally get a mutual fund come in and talk about these alternate sources of income. And you just, you know, what we spoke about before the show, can you yeah. just go into a little bit deeper on that? Because I feel that for our listeners, who don't know of this alternate mm -hmm. source of income, I think it's very important. Of course, you're right when yeah. you say that the yeah. younger generation are already aware yeah. of all this. But let's talk about it any which way. No? If someone can get in a new idea no, from no, this. No, absolutely. Yeah. Anupam, I think that, you know, when we talk about the subject of retirement, in our survey, retirement came up as pretty much a negative 
word in people's mind. In fact, at PGM, we would encourage people to think of it as financial freedom mm. because it's so important mentally to get a positive handle when you're planning something because our 2020 survey gave us one important insight. People only plan for happy outcomes not unhappy ones. Huh. So your children's education, your, you know, your travel, your house, your car, these are happy ones. You think of retirement and the image for a lot of people, especially in salary jobs, is not a good one. So people don't tend to put it aside. But coming back to the young ones, I remember a conference I attended in PGM way back in 2019 where I had some speakers as we were going through thought leadership sessions talk about research that said that the younger generation will probably end up earning less than their parents' generation, but they'll be happier than their wow. parents' generation. Huh. They're not going to stick around in jobs that they're not happy in, which means that they'll have multiple careers and they're happy having multiple skills. Uh, one very important fact of our 2023 survey was that people in the loans that they were taking were taking 5% of those loans for themselves, for upskilling themselves, for education as a loan. So that seemed like an interesting part. But what the actual point is, is that one of the biggest risks is that you know to earn just from one skill. If you have multiple skills that you can develop in your life, that's the surest way to lay the foundation for a great financial future. And what we're doing is we're trying to put up 50 different gigs that one can do. Where can you learn it from? Wow. How much will it cost you? And how much can you earn from it? I mean, think about it. The pandemic really brought it out. You could you could bake. You could be a yoga teacher. You could be a Reebok fitness trainer. Yeah. You love pets. You could do grooming for pets. You mm. could be a coach. You could be a consultant, a social. Think about it. It's really open. And I think it's important for a household to start thinking about multiple sources of income, not just as from your finances, but from the skills in the household that you can monetize. Nice. However little that might be, yeah. the happiness of doing it is what actually is so much more important for your health and financial outcomes. Yeah. So our listeners can just check out your social media handles and your content for yes, more details. Yes, we, we this, are right? uh, sort of finalizing that uh, part of the report. So it should be out in another 15 to 20 days time on mm. our websites and we'll put it up and you know we'll link up again for that for sure. Look forward to that folks. Yeah. Um, alternate source of income, how to get it and the entire process from PGM Mutual. Okay, Ajit, I, there's a very interesting behavioral and attitudinal change that happens to people and families and households yeah. when they go from lower to middle income, which that's India right. is obviously seeing because there's yeah. this massive economic growth that's um, yeah. that's coming in that's going to push a lot of people from lower income to middle income. Yes. That brings about a lot of changes. Can you just talk about that? Because I just feel that's a topic that people don't anticipate really well. Like when they are at a lower income, their ability to forecast 10, 15 years down the line mm -hmm. is limited. I mean, right. we're human beings, right? Right. But when you land up there in that you know very happy stage of having a higher income it comes with higher responsibility there's, right. there's a lot of stuff happening out there and your report actually touches on that can we talk about that yeah of course we can and Anupam you are absolutely right I think that in financial advisory one of the first things to note is that every household is unique and we found differences in you know when it comes to income levels of households and how they react to various factors related to investment and savings what we found is that if your income you, you're coming from a lower income household for instance and in, for us the number is less than 75,000 
thousand rupees a month, then your focus is really on creating wealth very quickly. You know, your focus is on returns as much as possible. But as your incomes levels rise above seventy five thousand, what you're thinking about is how can I move up in life, in my lifestyle, in my job? What you know, how can I get promoted? You know, how can I maybe start a new business? And those are the kind of aspirations that start coming up. So there's definitely a link of your income with the way you will think and plan about investments. Mm. Our first survey in 2020, in fact, one of the major insights we had is that planning itself is a function of having a surplus. Otherwise, people just want a catch-all lump sum number to plan for. Ki, you know, let me just have a 50 lakh or whatever number that I want. But the moment surpluses come up, you start getting a little more bucketed about it and, you know, for your children or for your spouse and mm-hmm. things like that. But that's the sort of trend that we are seeing. Very interesting. I mean, <laughs> you know, you just mentioned this and now it kind of makes sense to me that if you have a surplus of maybe 50,000 or 1 lakh, you know, yeah. you're I mean, your target will be that how do I make it 10 lakhs? Correct. But the minute you come in a 10 lakh or 50 lakh kind of a bracket, your thing is how do I save this? <laughs> That's and with 8%, you know, whatever. So That's it's right. a very in- interesting insight. And Ajit, now let's get down to products because sure. your survey also has a lot of very nice information about how people have shifted priorities, allocated their assets. So That's right. can we go into this preference of mutual funds versus direct equity? Okay, which obviously also includes sure. ETF. Sure. So how is that? What's happening out there? So specifically to that, I think we were at least glad to see that for people who felt more prepared about retirement, mutual funds in general had risen in priority from somewhere around 15% to about 23%. And ETFs and equity, which in our 2020 survey was, you know, somewhere around 18% had fallen off to about 7%. In fact, Anupam, if you looked at the recent RBI reports as well, in terms of household allocation, equity is like 1%. Mutual funds is about 6%. I think the more important point is that some things that didn't change from our 2020 survey to the 2023 survey is that people still prefer fixed deposits. People still prefer insurance and annuities. People still prefer gold and people still prefer postal schemes before even they think about getting to mutual funds and Mm. equities and things like that. So, you know, on aggregate, if I were to say, what do 50% of the people we polled talk about? More than 50% of the people said, insurance, fixed deposits, gold. What was the 20 to 20% to the 30% responses was always postal schemes. And we saw mutual funds enter into that bucket. And below 20%, there have been some changes, especially to NPS, which has mm-hmm. risen to about 15% nice. from 5%. And even the PPF, the humble PPF, which has risen to 13% from 3 which is very encouraging as people are looking at it as long-term savings investments. Yeah. And I'm guessing that the RBI's data, when it says equities and mutual funds, mutual funds also includes debt mutual funds. It it does. It yeah, does, so that does. whole debt mutual fund exactly. versus FD's debate and also, exactly. I, you know, I don't know what's your view, but I just feel that if someone is entering into the world of financial products, it's probably a good idea for them to go first and understand how PPF, FD's insurance works yeah. before taking the major jump into equity and mutual funds. I mean, I, there's a nice ecosystem out there which believes that, no, you should go to equities <laughs> first. I don't know what's your view in this because as a mutual fund and you've got a nice, you know, your AUMs are 26,000 yeah, crores, which yeah. is, I think, would be about $3, 4000000000 billion. What's your view in this? You know, someone who's new coming into financial products, how should they look at the entire spectrum? Anupam, how we suggest uh, in our conferences and meetings is think about a very simple sequence that, you know, that you should keep in mind. Household budgeting is first. Protection is second savings is third and investments come fourth. 
So if you think about it, you know, it's very important to do your household budgeting first to figure out your surpluses. The moment you have your surpluses, the second thing you do is protection, which is life and health. Don't move into anything else before you do that. Once that sequence is over, then it's savings. And in savings, the way we'd like to project it is an emergency fund. A fixed deposit is, is good enough. Don't worry about fixed income mutual funds. Of course, I'd love to recommend fixed income mutual mm. funds. And there are very safe ones uh, as well in the fixed income side. But even if it's a fixed deposit, make sure that you have six months to a year of your expenses parked away in a fixed deposit. That's oh. your savings. And then when the surpluses continue to sort of accrue, Think about investments. And in investments, like you said, I think there are various financial products. And the best way is, of course, to get an advisor to recommend what's based on your risk. But the simple steps you can take are things which are longer term investing is for in things like PPF, to yeah. put something aside, or an NPS, which is a very good low cost option. And then think about systematic investing into a good, you know, diversified equity fund. I think you're sorted largely. I think that's how I would put it. Okay, the big question, retirement corpus number, which now has become a very important <laughs> thing for a lot of people. Uh -huh. As per your survey, what's happened out there? So the last survey said that, you know, maybe eight, nine times of our annual income is yeah. good enough as a corpus for retirement. I think that's shifted to about 10, 12 times in this survey, which means that the numbers, if I were to look at the average incomes that we were uh, surveying, has moved from about a 50 lakh corpus to about a 73 lakh corpus as far as this survey is concerned. Now, typically, experts and advisors would say have 25 to 30 times of your annual income, annual expenses at 60 as your retirement corpus. At PGM, I think that these number-driven approaches are good to know, but sometimes not very practical. Yeah. That's why the secondary source of income, having a secondary skill, are far more practical ways that you can work on for making sure you don't have any financial anxiety for the future. Yeah, a corpus number that is in lakhs and not in crores. You want to just, can you imagine? just, <laughs> yeah. just put some disclaimers out there. Well, I'll tell you what the disclaimer is. See, when we surveyed, we realized, and if you look at the, even the RBI data, people who are filing for an income of more than 30 lakhs in India is just 5%. Ah, that right? way. Yeah, if yeah, you looked okay, at the yeah, average yeah. income of people, I mean, beyond 15 lakhs sure, or so, sure, it's sure. like very low. Yeah. What we felt is that if you're going to do something about retirement, let's look at the 90% of people in India. And if you looked at the, I think the median tax Tax filing for FY23, that number was roughly about 14 lakhs, if I'm not mistaken, okay. 13 or 14 lakhs. That's the income of most of India. Then it makes sense. Yeah. Then, it, then it starts yeah. making sense for people. But of course, if it's the median is at 14 lakhs, then 10 times or 12 times will be roughly a little above a crore. And I think that's what people are thinking about right now. Yeah. So folks, of course, you know, this is just a discussion and um, please check out your own retirement corpus using your own calculator. Everybody's got retirement calculators Absolutely. out there. Financial advice, okay? Because yeah. you just mentioned that in a previous answer, we need handholding and support. Can you just spend some time talking about that? Because I think that's... You know, I mentioned a little earlier, Anupam, that every household is unique. You will have school-going kids, you might have university-ready kids, you may have elder parents that you need to take care of. So every household is really very unique. And I think that's where the uh, value of uh, specific financial advice from a good financial advisor comes in. One of the aspects of the 67% of Indians who told us that they felt ready about retirement is that even though 50% of people said, listen, I have a written retirement plan ready, only 
30% of them had ever gone to an advisor. You know, 16% of them had vetted that plan with an advisor. So, mm. and the fact is, 75% of them had taken that advice from an insurance agent. Now, that basically means that nothing wrong. You need to get yeah, your protection in place, but yeah. it's not holistic when it comes to retirement planning. I think getting to vet your retirement requirements through uh, either a mutual fund distributor or a, or a trusted advisor that you can get as a reference from friend, family, or colleagues, or a registered investment advisor can really, really add value to reduce your financial anxiety on this aspect. Yeah. Let's get people started. You just mentioned holistic financial planning. Yeah. And I like the approach that you gave in a previous answer about, you know, start with budgeting, end with saving. Yeah. It just, I guess, in a way, recap that so that anyone who's listening now and mm -hmm. did not think of retirement planning now wants to start retirement planning. Mm -hmm. What would you tell them? Like, what's a kind of a structure or a process or a principle that the listener can actually start with right now after he's done with this episode? So, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to assume here that, you know, somebody new and uh, it could be an any age group, so to speak, uh, has not yet thought about getting to a formal financial advisory kind of a situation. For the entire audience, Anupam, my single most message they should take away from this episode probably is that retirement is the only financial goal of your life for which you don't get a loan. Hmm. You think about it. I your children's yeah, education, right, yeah. your house, your car, you want to start a business, you want to, you know, travel, you get a loan for all of that. You can't walk into a bank and say, I've retired, I need a loan. There are products like reverse mortgage and stuff, not very matured in India. Yeah. That puts retirement as your number one priority. That's the reason for putting it as no your number one priority. How do you go about doing it? To me, I think that when I talked about do your budgeting first so that you can figure out your surpluses, then do your life and health insurance. Don't think about insurance to create an income. That'll come later. Get insurance to protect your life and health. So a good term insurance and a good health insurance should do. Then savings, the third step, is about an emergency fund. So for all those listeners out there, to your question, I think the simplest thing to do is that if you can put away one year, or if you want to be more conservative, one and a half to two years of your monthly household expenses into a safe fixed deposit, if you've done that, or if you can do that, you have taken a mighty leap towards being far more financially secure. Once you do that emergency fund, then start investing using an SIP into just a couple of good diversified equity funds. You don't have to, you know, people want to Try and jump for the highest return products, which are typically very sectoral thematic that can be good and bad depending on your requirement and time. The best is just go for diversified equity funds and just keep systematically investing into it. The common sense logic here is that in you, you're going to have a 70 to 80 year investment life. Imagine starting to work at 25 and living up to 90 or 95, right? You're going to see markets drop by 40% or so once or twice in that lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Just keep plugging away your investments into diversified funds. When the time you want to start, you know, getting an income out of it, start taking an income out of it. The moment you see markets crack and you see bad headlines, stop withdrawing from your investments, start taking it out from your emergency fund. 
Oh, so nice. I have a financial advisor, Anupam, for yeah. the last 15 years. And this is my investment advisor's advice. An emergency fund is a powerful tool to keep ready. Two is use that emergency fund, not just because of medical emergencies, but if you are in taking out income from your investments, which are equity investments, uh, diversified equity investments, if you see market corrections, don't feel too anxious. Stop taking money out of your primary investments. Start using your emergency fund. Because no big corrections in the modern world where central banks pump in money and protect everybody lasts m too long mm. and your emergency fund can bail you out mm. without panicking. So I would say start an emergency fund, start your SIPs into diversified funds and you're good to go. But to be even better prepared, figure out a good trusted advisor. Nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> Let's just wind up with the products that you guys have. Like if someone just, you know, who's listening in and wants to take yeah. it one step forward and says, okay, Ajit, tell me about PGM. What mutual yeah. funds do I ha do you have? Yeah. And, uh, you know, where can I get started? Because you mentioned diversified funds. Yeah. Uh, what do you have? You have equity, you have debt, you've got everything out We've there. got, yeah, we've got everything. We've got about 19 open-ended products between equity and fixed income. But I think mutual funds as an industry is such a beautiful category, very transparent, very professional, very regulated, that you can feel safe taking any good diversified equity fund. So the categories the regulator has made even more simple. You know, you can't put old wine in a new bottle and call it something else. You have to call it by the name. And so if you see flexi cap funds from any fund house, pick three or four fund houses that you like. Better still, if you knew the style of the manager, mix and match the styles, that'll help you better. We are a very high quality, high growth style manager. We believe for longer time periods, high quality stocks are the ones that will sure. deliver consistently. That's the kind of portfolios to expect from us. Slightly out of favor in today's market where interest rates have moved up. But let's not get technical there. Just pick up a good FlexiCap mm -hmm. fund from PGM or from any of the other fund houses and you're good to go. Yeah. I have this follow-up now that you mentioned choosing mutual funds. It's a tough thing, right? Because for, a, for <laughs> a lot of people, just it's a pass return, pass return, pass return. And we yeah. know that that's not... You just mentioned about how the high quality, high growth is not really doing well right now but anybody you know you've seen I've seen 20 years plus we know that these are cycles and they tend to even Absolutely. out over the longer term yeah. and of course like you just mentioned about how when you're at a younger stage you want to be like the Warren Buffet of your family or the group <laughs> and all that that's true but obviously once you age you realize that safety yeah. so is there you know how does one make sense of this is there a way to choose a mutual fund I'll tell you what I you know, personally would talk to audiences. Of course, I have my own investments managed by my advisors. So that's very goal oriented. So, yeah. you know, when once you're very goal oriented, then your requirements can be more specific. But very in general, if I were to give an advice, I think there are four or five styles of managing money worldwide, right? Whether it's Warren Buffett or Peter Lynch or many others. Mm -hmm. And of course, in India as well. You could be a high quality, high growth style. You could be a value style, as people say. You could be a momentum style. You could be a blend and things like that. Mm. My sense is that, you know, in just general reading, the curiosity of researching, the real power and value that you can add to your portfolios if you can mix and match styles nice. of managers. Nice. And what is the tendency of a average investor, look for the best returns, yeah, pick up go. five managers who have the best returns. Hey, yeah. You're most likely to find managers of the same style huh. at that point <laughs> of time, yeah. right? So the point is some manager is doing really bad 
And at that point in time, that style is going to bounce back when there's a reversion to the mean Obviously. and the ones you're in are likely to come off. Yeah. So the danger of picking four or five managers, all of whom are performing well at a point in time, the danger is that you're most likely picking up the same style and concentrating yourself in a single style. And the smarter thing to do is just don't worry about too much about, you know, the topmost performance and the bottommost performance. These are, as you said, very yeah. cyclical. Yeah. If you can read literature and figure out three or four different styles and mix it, I think you're good to go. Okay, fantastic, folks. We are done with the main body of our show. We have a final standard question to all our guests, Ajit. <laughs> Which book are you reading? And, and you have any recommendations? We spoke about a, a yeah. very interesting book on China. I wanted to just mention that. And anything else that you've got uh, for our listeners? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm currently rereading a book called Spoon Fed by a scientist called Tim Spector. He's a professor of genealogy in the UK. And he had this interesting study with... Uh, identical twins and, you know, huge number of identical twins. And his sort of inquiry was if a single cell can split into two identical human beings, nice. how come one gets sick yeah. and the other doesn't? So from there, he's, you know, looked at lifestyles and genetic uh, propensities and, you know, what really matters and things like that. So Spoon Fed is a book that sort of summarizes the the latest science on all the kind of things that we hear in advertising or newspapers oh. or videos. Do supplements actually work? Oh, yeah. Does huh. calorie counting actually, is is it necessary or not? And so much. And it's a wealth of information. And I'm enjoying reading that book. And of course, I've stopped taking supplements because I realized that it doesn't, you know, if you have a well-balanced diet, you're getting all you're your vitamins. Of, and if yeah. you get some sunshine, that's good for you too. You don't need to do much more than that. Yeah, so that's the book I'm reading. I'd really recommend it to people. In fact, at PGM, we have given those books to our nice. clients and, and our colleagues as well. Fantastic book. Yeah, what the China book that you mentioned when we were talking about that, that's yeah, Red that was, Thread, it, is it? Yes, it was Red Threat, Maruf Raza. He's written that book and I, I, I enjoyed, I found it as a reference in one of my friendly WhatsApp groups as with talking about, you know, India, defense and related topics. And uh, it was really enjoyable for me to think about the historic reasons of how India is placed within its neighbors and, um, you know, how those things have played out over time under the British and and beyond. And sometimes, you you know, when you get context, I think when you read a book and a, and a full book rather than short reels, you get deeper context to, you know, how things are happening, a better understanding. I really enjoyed it. I recommend that to anybody yeah. who likes reading defense history. Yeah, that part of our generation will always stay. We, we always <laughs> love to read read books, even if the younger generation believes in more jobs and more being more happy. Yeah. There's always a book for them. <laughs> there you know, is. They, they there can is always learn a, learn a lot from that. But folks, that is it. That is a wrap on this episode of Pesa Vesa. My guest, Ajit Benin, CEO, PGIM Mutual Fund. The Retirement Readiness Report should be there in the episode description. If it is not, you can always check it out. Please go out there. Figure out your retirement corpus as per your needs. And of course, there's some very good advice in this episode on retirement planning. Do listen to that. Ajit, thank you so much for doing this for our listeners. And come back. You know, Keep coming on back more thank you, often Anupam. when you have a retirement readiness, when the next edition is out or even <laughs> before that. Thank you for doing this for our listeners. Thank you so much. My pleasure again. Thank you. Listeners, you can check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can also follow us on our social media. We are IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. If you want to reach out to me, I'm P50 on Twitter. And folks, thank you so much. Really, thank you for listening to Pesa Vesa.
No material on the show should be considered as financial advice. The material on the show is for informational purposes only. Please consult a financial advisor before taking any investment decision.